Well, good morning, church. I'm Scott Weatherford. I left Atlanta yesterday. It was 34 and raining and miserable. And I guess I brought it with me, but I warmed it up 20 degrees. So y'all are 30 degrees. It's just kind of a nasty wet day. Thanks for braving uh, the elements and coming out today. I think we have a really good time. I was in uh, Alabama this week. I flew down to Atlanta, then drove down to Montgomery, where I filmed the next two uh, small group uh, group discussions that go along with the next two series of sermons. So we did, I think, 22 videos uh, while I was down, uh, getting ready for you guys coming up. And I need to tell y'all this, okay? I'm gonna make a confession to you, all right? You don't know this, but I'm somewhat of a celebrity in Alabama. I'm a media celebrity in Alabama. Let me tell you about that. There's a group of guys there that have a hunting show called Doe Nation. Is that cheesy or what? At the end of it, they have a a video vignette of spiritual encouragement, and they've asked me to do the videos. Now, I've been doing it for a while, and they asked me to do some more, so I guess I'm doing all right. I think what it is is I am free, therefore I'm good. They like, it, you know, I just remind them, you get what you pay for, right? If you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. So uh, anyway, we had a great, great time, got those things in the can, and you can Google donation and see some of the, the silly stuff that those guys do. Uh, it, it's hilarious. Their show is hilarious, and then it ends up with me sharing about a 35 or 40 second spiritual thought or thought about relationships. So it's kind of fun. But we're in this series called See the Real You. And it's uh, it's been a great series for me. I don't know about for you, but as I've walked through Ephesians, it's reminded me so much of how much God loves me and how I'm supposed to live differently because God loves me. And I hope it's been an encouragement to you. If you missed any of these talks, you could go to our website and, and go to our Vimeo channel and we have all that material there. We have tons of content on our website, and we're about to have tons more on our website as a new website is coming in the very near future. Help us, Jesus, okay? So website development's always kind of a a crazy thing, but we do all this because we love you, and we want to provide all the content that's possible. Now, let's turn our attention to what we're going to talk about today, seeing the real you and seeing a model of how your life's supposed to be. What's the model of your life? Most of us need a model. We need a recipe. We need somebody that we can look up to and say, okay, this is how we're supposed to live. When our kids were little, we have two, two kids. They're both grown now. And we have two granddaughters who were awesome. If I knew grandkids were so great, I had them first. Yeah, that old joke. And um, we have two kids. And when they were little, uh, you, starting about the age of maybe three, four years old, right in there, I did something. My job was to put them to bed at night. Now, sometimes that was a good thing, and sometimes it was an undisciplined, unruly thing that I would do that. And I would tell them stories. I'd make up stories and tell them stories, and then I would would bless them. I gave them three scripture passages, and then I would tuck them in. I'd pray for them, then off to sleepy land. They, they, They went. And I did this all throughout their childhood, even into their teenage years. And even now that they're grown, I still get to bless them from time to time. I'll write it in a card to them. I'll write the passages of scripture I quoted over them. I had three of them that I quoted over them. And why did I do this? Why did I do this? Because I wanted to change a perspective on life. I loved my children. I loved my children. Uh, and I want to say this, y'all. You know you're not responsible for your adult children's behavior. Did you know that? 
Okay, just so you know. But I love my children, and I loved having that chance of having that spiritual intimacy with them and sharing those things with them. But really what I wanted to say to them, what I wanted them to know all of their life is that they had a daddy who loved them and a daddy God who loved them more. I wanted to change a perspective. And you know, this is exactly what God wants to do for you. He wants you to change your perspective so that you will live differently. You won't be caught up in the, in the problems and the cares and the woes of this world or the problems and woes that your bad behavior bring on you because we cause most of our problems, right? Our decisions become our destinies and sometimes our destinies are debauchery because we made decisions that are disasters. I just covered most of the D's in the thesaurus. But this is the truth. It's the truth. God wants us to see our real selves in him. Now listen to what Jesus said. Even, even if you then, even though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit good gifts to those who ask him? That God wants to give us the good things of life. The life in Christ is not dependent on self-effort or self-righteousness. Now, when I say self-righteousness, automatically you probably should go to a negative connotation. You know, someone who thinks they're better than they really are. And the biggest complaint non-Christians have about Christians is that we are self-righteous. That's a problem. Because we're not to be self-righteous. We're to be Christ-likeness. And that's a changed perspective and a changed view. It's not dependent upon that. Jesus gives us a new relationship through him, him abiding us. I bless my kids because they were my kids. Jesus blesses us because we are his children. And he loves us deeply. And he wants us to live differently. Now, this morning, we're going to look at Ephesians 5, 1 through 21. We're going to go through it fast and quickly. Then we're going to observe communion, which is a beautiful symbol of a model of a life that we should live. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But the crowd that Paul wrote to in the book of Ephesians, this crowd, this Greco-Roman culture, they were in to shame and honor. That was kind of their, how you, sociologists would explain their kind of reason of thought. They never wanted to be shamed, and they always wanted to be honored. They wanted to have a high level. To be shamed was to be the lowest place you could be. That you, you, so you lived for self-promotion. You lived for self-gratification. You lived for self-satisfaction, for pleasure. And that's the way the, the Greeks and the Romans lived. They lived exalting themselves. Narcissism or self-love was considered a value. Uh, lying and getting away with it was considered a, an honorable trait. We call that politics now. Yeah, and so this is kind of this is what Paul was writing to, and he was writing to these people that they were going, "What's up with this? This is upside down logic." And then to have at the center of this movement a savior who died a shameful death on the cross. There was no more repulsive way to die in the Greco-Roman world than to be crucified. That was ultimate shame. But God is flipping things. And he says things like this. Hey, if you want to have a great life, you lose yours. Uh, the last will be first. The greatest among you will be the servant of all. And to this culture, they're going, what? I have a feeling it's the same thing with us today. We go, what? 
It's about me. It's about likes I get on my social media or about other things I get because, you know, this is about me. But that's not the life that God has for you. And so he wants to model for you a perspective of a different life. Now, I wrote this. In fact, I posted it on my social media today, and I don't care if you like it or not, but I posted it. Here it is. The good news is that we are to, we are the, to partake of, in the bliss of God. I wrote this. I can't even read it. Let me try it again. The good news is that we are to partake in the bliss of God, the bliss of God, the joy of God. The bad news is, is that we can't do it on our own. The best news is that Jesus died and rose again to indwell us and give us this good life. Intentional living in the blessing of God in the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's what God desires for her, us. Paul teaches us today to model the real you by looking at the real Savior, how do you to live a real life in a world that can be unreal. Are y'all ready for this? That was two grunts that are scratch. Y'all ready for this? All right. Father, thank you for what you're going to say to us today. And I pray that you'll speak through me. They'll not be my words or my thoughts, but your truth that leads us in, in the brevity of time, in the narrowing of time. May this be a Kairos moment, a moment when you transcend and you bring truth and life and transformation. So I thank you for what you're going to do. And I pray this all in your son's strong name. Amen. Now, to go ahead and take out your notes. You got a study guide with some kind of big bullet points on there. You can fill in some of that stuff. Again, I want to remind you of content that we provide gathering content, group content, and then God content for you all the time and leadership content. One of the things I did while I was in Alabama, I recorded 12 videos on leading like Jesus. And that'll be available on our website as well. So if you're a business leader, if you're a leader of any kind, I want to give that to you to encourage you. I got a text message yesterday uh, from a guy who runs a multi-billion dollar aerospace industry who listened to my podcast. I'm going, he has run out of things to do. And it's just kind of like, okay. And he said, do you have more of these? So content is king, right? And now I say that not to inflate my ego. My ego is inflated enough. I say that to say God wants to use your life in significant ways, even though you might feel insignificant. You are insignificant, but with King Jesus, you're the hope of the world. Did you know that? So let's look together and see what God has to say. Here's the first model, a model of purity, a model of purity. Paul says this to us today. Imitate God. Just Imitate God. Be like God. That's kind of a high bar, isn't it? Just be like, you know what Paul said to the church at Philippi? He said, come follow me while I follow Jesus. That's a bold, that's a bold statement. And, and, and really, seriously, we should be able to turn to our neighbors and to our friends and say to them, come follow me while I follow Jesus. But you better be following Jesus because you don't want to lead people astray, do you? And Paul says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life led with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice us, a pleasing aroma to God. Wow, I look at that and I'm thinking, okay, a life of love, led with love, not with legalism, not with rule keeping, not with attendance, with love. 
that God wants to do something in me that's so significant that everyone knows it's love that's coming out of me. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Now, sometimes people could pull this out of context and say, well, you know, you might be a Christian, you might be saved, but if you're immoral and impure and greedy, you're going to go to hell. It's not true. It's not true. The only thing that sends us to hell is rejecting Jesus Christ. The only thing that makes us right with God is accepting Jesus Christ. Now, what Paul is saying, because you've accepted Christ, you're to be transformed. Don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Every now and then, I'll go and play golf, and I'll get paired with somebody who doesn't know me. And usually, people's character is displayed quickly on the golf course. I was playing golf one day with this guy. And he had a favorite word that began with F. And it wasn't Frank. And he kept saying it and kept saying it. And, you know, I just didn't comment, didn't comment, didn't comment, didn't comment. Finally, on the 18th grade, we're, uh, we're, he's making a putt and he misses and he uses his favorite word. And he finally looks at me and said, So, Scott, I never asked you, what do you do for a living? And so I emphasize the Baptist part of being a preacher. <laughs> and it was really interesting. Our conversation turned. And he apologized. I said, brother, you know, I grew up in Northwest Florida. I've heard this language before. This was in South Texas. I've been around oil, pe- oil, oil field people before and carpenters and, and fishermen. I get this. It's, but, and, but then we had a spiritual conversation. And, but the thing is that got to guard yourself, Right? Now, if I'd been dropping the F-bomb and he asked me what I did for a living, I told him I was a preacher. He might come to church. You never know. He said, I can understand you. you know. So these things, this is a high calling of a life of Christ's likeness. And listen, it's not lived where I judged him because he talked that way, but I loved him even though he talked that way. We played golf again. I loved him because he talked. It's okay. It's okay. It's not okay that he did that, but it it should not preclude me from loving him, should it? No, and it changes our perspective. Now listen to this. This is what Jesus said. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciple. Oh, huh. I can't do this on my own. I need help. I need the indwelling Holy Spirit to help me live this way. Huh. But I must be intentional in word and in deed. Listen to this. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do or say, you know, wherever you go, you belong to the Lord. Wherever you go, you belong to the Lord. Um, this trip I just took, I left on Wednesday, came back yesterday, and I had plans. I had made plans that Wednesday afternoon, when I got to Atlanta about one in the afternoon, I drove down to Montgomery. There's a time change. I got to Montgomery about four, 
and I got there, and I, I was going to hold up in Panera Bread till my friend got off work where I was staying until about nine. I was going to study. I was going to write. I was going to get ahead of sermon prep and, and get ready for all these groups that I recorded. I, I, I have to study, y'all. I have to study because I, I got a little brain, and I got to study. I was studying, and, and I'm writing, I'm thinking, and then God starts messing with my schedule. And he sends people to me that need to talk. And, and I was telling my sweet wife that, you know, I had made my plan, but the Lord was determining my steps. In my book, I talk about a season when I was in India where I was incessantly asked, are you a holy man? It was the same dadgum thing over again. I didn't want to mess with anybody. I didn't want to counsel anybody. I didn't want to pray for anybody. I just wanted to go shoot my videos and come home and get some Koneka sausage, which I froze and put in my suitcase and brought it back. And I ain't sharing it. But God had a different plan. And I had amazing conversation after conversation after conversation after conversation after conversation. And I got the stuff done I needed to do. In fact, the Lord was very kind to give me some insight, which I cannot wait to share with you. Because our next two series, one is on see the promises of God, and I'll trace the scarlet thread of redemption from Adam in the garden to Jesus at the cross over six weeks. It's going to be fun. And I got some stuff that I cannot wait to show y'all. And then we're going to do a next series called See Forever. We're going to be talking about eternity. At one of our group times, I'm going to talk about the different views of eschatology. I know you cannot wait for that. Somebody going, what? It's all right. You'll figure it out later. But God was gracious to that. But after all of that, now on Saturday, I drove to catch my fight in Atlanta and I was bone dead dog tired. Have y'all ever been that way? Now you probably, some of y'all right now that way, you sleep right now. I see you. It's all right. Just take a nap. It's okay. Bone, and I did not want to talk to anybody. I wanted to get on that plane and I wanted to fly to Austin and I wanted a nap on the plane, right? Guess who I sit by? Yes, thank you. Talking, talking, talking. And I even tried, you know, body language where I'd shift away, <laughs> fold up like this, cover my face. They'd pick up on any clue. Then I realized, you know what? Everything I do in word and deed for the glory of God. Every place I go for the glory of God. Every place you go for the glory of God. You carry him with you. That ought to sober you up. I said to you a couple of weeks ago, when you're, not where you're, when you're where you're not supposed to be, you'll do things you're not supposed to do. Do you remember that? It's good advice, especially for teenagers or young adults, or old adults, or guys out of town, uh, or old, old people. Of course, we just sing precious memories and we're done. Anyway. But we're taking Jesus with us. We're living this life, this transformed, transparent life with the Lord. And he wants to use you wherever you go, wherever you go, whatever you do, in word and deed. Look at this stuff of immoral, immorality, impurity, greed, this was common in the Greek culture. This is how they lived. Everyone was doing it. Just because everyone is doing it doesn't mean you should do it. 
Your mama used to say that. Everybody was jumping off a building. Would you jump off a building? Remember that? Scott. Right? Your mama was right. Hmm. And the words, the words that come out of my mouth, they display the content of my heart. Oh. The words out of my mouth display the content of my heart. And changing the pattern of your speech, that's hard. I used to play baseball. I played baseball for a long, long time, and, and, and I would have played Major League Baseball had it not been for talent. That's what got me. But <laughs> played a long, long time. And you know what baseball players do? They scratch and they cuss and they spit. And you develop a pattern of speech and then preachers can't talk like ball players. You know what I'm saying? Our football coaches. Do y'all ever lip read the coaches on the sideline of the NFL? They're not saying, oh, Jesus is so good. They're not ever saying that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. God is mentioned. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. But Paul is saying this. <laughs> I am so ridiculous. Paul is saying this. Your behavior and your words, they matter. So what are you doing? What should you be doing? What are you saying? What should you be saying? There's a country song I heard recently. She said this, talking about this girl he liked. She'd go to to church on Sunday, and then she'd cuss on Monday. Like that was some kind of admirable quality. Huh. Well, another country song I heard recently is, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. Y'all heard that one, haven't you? Don't act like you have it. Some of y'all singing it right now in your head. Some of you go, that's right. That's good theology right there, yeah. See, a changed heart will produce a changed life. And salvation is not tied to your behavior. You won't go to hell when you misbehave. But can you live like heaven is a reality because of a transformed life? And that's through the renewed mind, through the Holy Spirit. Then there's the model of wisdom, model of purity, the model of wisdom. So be careful how you live, Paul says. Don't, li- don't live like a fool, but like one who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And I just talked about that. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing songs among, amongst yourselves, making music to the Lord in your heart and giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name, of the, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, a fool is someone who rejects God. A fool is someone who rejects God. It says this in Psalm 14, 1, Only fools say in their heart, there's no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil, and not one of them does good. I'll tell you something. An atheistic belief system will not lead to any kind of humanitarian compassion. Walt. It won't. It exists for itself. Did you know foolishness is mentioned 84 times in the book of Proverbs? I counted it 84 times. Foolishness is mentioned. This is great instruction. Wisdom and godliness are linked. Now, to be wise, do you want to know how to be wise of the Lord? This is, this is a mark of spiritual maturity. Okay, When you're spiritually mature, it's not the scriptures you can quote or the doctrine you can defend. It's to see and to seize spiritual opportunities. Christian, you and I had a conversation before. 
to see and to seize that as a sign of spiritual maturity. And brother, you're growing up to be like Jesus. I'm proud of you. To see and seize. Christian, how old are you? 14. 14. He's after my job, y'all. I think that's pretty amazing how to see and to seize, make the most opportunity. How do I know that this is something God wants me to do? Let me tell you, there's his word, prayer, and the unction of the wooing of God. I'll talk about that in just a second. Opportunities to be selfless. And then look for other believers as models. Now, let's talk about God promptings. These are thoughts that you have in your head that move you toward compassion, goodness, patience, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control. Thoughts in your head that lead you toward stupidity and debauchery are not from God. That move you toward selflessness or selfishness are not from God. That move you towards temptation are not from God. Did you know it's not a sin to be tempted? The devil is the God of the air. He puts thoughts in your head. The Lord puts thoughts in your head. Seize the God promptings. Yesterday, I had a God prompting that I ignored. I had to turn my truck around and go back and do what I was asked to do by the Holy Spirit. That's aggravating, but it sure felt good when I did it because I want to be obedient to the Lord. So you line up your life with God's word. And how can you line up your life with something you don't know? That's why you need to be in a group. That's why you need to be in gatherings. That's why you need to have a God time. You've got to know what God wants you to do. That's why we make it easy for you. And we give you content. He give you content because we want you to know because we love you. We love you. We want to be helpful for you. Then Paul says, don't be drunk. It'll ruin your life. And he says, don't drunk with, drunk, drunk with wine. I'm not going to talk about abstinence, how you shouldn't drink. I'm not going to do that because the Bible doesn't say you shouldn't drink. It just says, don't be drunk. But I want to say this. Don't be drunk with any other kind of addictive mess. Don't be drunk on your own arrogance and your own ego. Don't be drunk because it'll ruin your life. And don't be deceived by the way you think, but let God shape your mind. Have the mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul says those things over and over and over. That I have to be thankful and full of praise. That I can't let crows control me. What? Preacher, you lost your mind? Yeah, y'all ever seen crows? Crows, they're, they're, they're wise little creatures. In fact, if you see crows, you'll always see one on the ground eating something, like on the road, eating something, and one's up in the tree. You know what he's doing? He's watching. And when, when something's coming, he'll say, car, car, car. <laughs> That's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. There's people in your life that's always going, car, car, car. And they're negative and critical. And if you let the negative and critical control you, it will lead you to ruin. Don't let that control you. And you have a choice. If you cannot turn the disdained person away in wisdom, walk away from them in love. The Bible says this in Titus 3.10. Warn a divisive person once, warn them the second time. After that, have nothing to do with them for they're self-condemned and warped. Oh, yeah. 
Don't let the You know what? And the negative critical spirit will kill the movement of God in his church. So don't tolerate it. Don't let the crows control you. This is wise living. Here's the last thing, a model of submission. Now, verse 21. Now, next week, I'm going to be talking in detail. Like next week, we have the married couples uh, renewal weekend, rekindle. And, and we're going to get, and then we're coming back. Next Sunday, I'm going to do a message about men and women. And it, right out of Ephesians chapter 5, the differences between men and women, how we're to complement one another and how we're not to compete with one another. And I'll talk about the differences between men and women. Guys, if you're a man and you have a mother, which all of you do, if she's still alive, um, and, or if you're married, if you have daughters or sisters, even women in the room, women are very complicated, guys. They are. In fact, Peter said in First Peter chapter three, verse chapter three, verse seven, he says, "Husbands, try to live with your wives in an understanding way." She is complicated. Okay, men are pretty not, but we're not complicated. Okay, we're either hungry, thirsty sleepy, are interested in you. That's about it. Okay. Pretty simple, but we're going to talk about those differences next week. And guys, I want to give you a little heads up. Next Friday is Valentine's day. Do you know that when she says this to you, she says, well, let's don't do anything really for each other on Valentine's day. She's lying. Now I did something in love for you yesterday in love. Scott Tidwell is my witness. In love, I did this. I went to HEB. I had an assignment for my precious one, and I went and fulfilled my assignment. But while I was there, I did some advanced planning for you. There at HEB, they had chocolate-covered strawberries. And I said, I need to taste test them. <laughs> out of love. You're not not out because I wanted one out of love. And I've decided that my sweetheart's going to get some of these and she'll eat two and I'll eat 10. That's kind of the way it works. Okay. But listen what they had. They had big old strawberries, big as a cat's head, dipped in chocolate, then dipped in caramel, then re-dipped in chocolate and sprinkled with sea salt. I got one on the way out. I got it and I stepped into the parking lot and I took a bite of it and I just went into this moment of bliss. Scott Tidwell thought I'd had a stroke in the middle of the parking lot. And I said, no, brother, just give me a minute. Give me a minute. Oh, manna from heaven. Okay, so I, I pre-shot for you. you. guys got that? Okay. So I just ruined the surprise. But somehow after 39, 40 years, she's not surprised anymore. This submission, now let me read this for you, the model of submission. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ephesians 5.21. This gets to the heart of the matter, that my life is not about me. It's not. And this model I have is to submit to you. Is to become the first shall be last, and, and the last shall be first, and the, the greatest will be the servant of all. This is the teaching of Jesus. This is the flipping upside down of culture. That mutual submission makes life work. When I submit to you and you submit to me out of reverence for Christ, then we become loving to one another and understanding of one another, not wanting my way, but wanting our way and saying, no, after you, no, after you, no, after you, no, after you. And we don the servant's towel and we meet needs and we wash feet and we do whatever it takes to show the love of God. 
wives in this context, and I'll talk more about this next week, women are not to be passive doormats that are helpless, nor are they to be dominant and rude and lording over. Men are not to lord over and be dominant. And they're not to be submissive doormats either, but in mutual complementary ways, we honor each other in the Lord. The word for submission is the Greek word hupotasso, and it's a military word. It means to fall in order of command. When I was in Montgomery pastoring, I had several generals and, and uh, colonels in my leadership loop there. And these guys said, you know, when Scott, when we met together as military command, we would collapse and collaborate and discuss man to man as equals. But when we left the room, we assumed our positions of authority. And I realized that if, if our marriages are going to honor God, we have to understand each other. And here's the flow. This is how it works. That um, Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord of the husband. He's Lord of the wife. And then parents serve the children and children obey the parents and we love and respect each other. And next week, and then the group material the next week, it really goes into depth on those. What Paul was saying is that your life should not be marked by pride or arrogance, but by love. By love. This is crazy talk to Paul's day. And it's crazy talk to our day. It's crazy talk to our day. But this attitude changed the ancient world all for Jesus. This attitude caused when a plague would hit a city, the Greeks and the Romans would leave and the Christians would come in to provide health care. When babies were left on the hillside to die of exposure, the Christians would gather them up and create orphanages. When slaves and women and children would not be educated, only the elite few, Christians started universities and started training everyone. This kind of love changes cultures. And it changed the culture 2,000 years ago. and It'll change the culture today. You cannot elect a life change. Only Jesus can bring life change. And when this nation has a revival of King Jesus, then there will no longer be division politically. God has to change my selfish heart in order for me to live out a life like Jesus. If you then, even though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, to your children, how much more your heavenly father gives the Holy Spirit good gifts, the good gift to those who ask? And you can have the life that you've always wanted and Christ needs you to have and wants you to have by submitting to his lordship but will you do it? I can't make that decision for you. I can for me. And I say, Jesus, I'm yours. Let's go. Let's change the world. All for you.